Hello to everyone from DocHQ. I'm Gopika and welcome to our podcast Health Tech for Businesses. Here we will be talking to experts about several interesting topics from AI and data privacy to health equity and digital health solutions for businesses. Over the last couple of weeks we have had two very insightful discussions with Professor Mike Rosenberg and Professor Magda Rosenmuller from ESA Business School. who spoke about various pressing issues on the covid outbreak and its severe impact around the globe in continuation with our covid series the episode today will be a conversation between Misha Arora from DocHQ and professor Tolga Tescan from the London Business School where they will focus on how businesses should approach the next few months that will be riddled with uncertainty and change in dynamics they will also touch upon the role of national healthcare systems and the impending second wave that is already making headlines in many parts of Europe so over to misha hello to everyone from doc hq i'm misha and welcome to our podcast health tech for businesses today i'm thrilled to be joined by senior london business school professor tolga teskan professor tolga teaches mba courses on business analytics data mining and a phd seminar on queuing theory he is the academic director of mba Masters in Management and Masters in Analytics programs at LBS. He's also taught at the University of Illinois and the University of Rochester. Professor Tolga has worked extensively with hospitals and healthcare management systems to design and optimize solutions under severe uncertainty. His work has been published in top management and operations journals such as Operations Research, Management Science and Queuing Systems. So, welcome to our podcast today professor and thank you very much for joining us in this discussion. Uh, thank you Misha, thanks for having me. So we start with the questions. So the first one is professor you've done a lot of research into how uncertainty impacts businesses and the decisions they take. It is probably difficult to imagine a time when uncertainty was a bigger issue for businesses than it is today. This situation is applicable to all industries and businesses in most industries are facing an existential threat. Is this something you could have foreseen as we were getting deeper in this pandemic? So looking at the pandemic it's definitely not going to go away anytime soon it's very difficult to give an exact timeline but uh, to be honest in my personal opinion for the next 2 years it's going to have a significant impact on businesses and in the, in our lives in general and i don't really know if we're going to be ever able to go back to what is normal um now in terms of businesses i think we need to get ready for a new reality in the next few years right As we discussed we live in a world where businesses are not inhibited by borders supply chains are deeply intertwined and complex firms in the UK are dependent on their low cost suppliers in Europe and UK itself is an irreplaceable market for many companies worldwide we also know that governments act independently in developing policies and protocols to fight covid and this leads to an additional layer of complexity for such companies they can suddenly lose access to their primary markets or have their suppliers shut shop because of lockdowns how should businesses approach a situation as undesirably complex and dynamic as this uh, thank you misha that's a great question so what happens with this pandemic which is obviously very much unprecedented and we don't have anything like this that happened in the last 100 years is in terms of businesses now they need to look at how they really run their operations and how they relook i mean reevaluate the value of flexibility We actually already saw this happening. For example, the tsunami in Japan affected the supply chains in such unexpected ways. I don't know if you remember from the news, even a small manufacturer that was making a pigment for car manufacturers 
where they use it for dying cars affected the whole factories and they, they got shut down. So now with the pandemic, what we see is a lot of these businesses have to reconsider what kind of flexibility they will have to build in their businesses. For example, again, that's a trend we've been seeing in the past that we see some of the businesses, for example, in the retail industry in North America, bringing their businesses, some of their manufacturing plants from China to Mexico, Canada, or other places that uh, they can produce and closer to the market. I think with the pandemic, we will see more of that trend happening in the future. Right. So flexibility, as you say, is probably one of the most important factors that businesses have to consider going forward. Precisely. I mean, flexibility doesn't come free, but now we see that the value of flexibility is a lot higher than when it used to be. This is just like the 2008 crash. It was unprecedented in the financial markets, but it changed completely the way you look at risk in, in investing. Now, I think we're going to see the same thing for businesses looking into the future. So part of you firms we've spoken to say that they're quite reliant on the national healthcare systems to provide the necessary infrastructure and expertise to mitigate these circumstances. So this ranges from providing testing, advising on health risk assessments and treatment of symptomatic employees. If there is a second wave in the coming few months, the evidence of which we're already seeing in a few countries in Europe and in the UK as well in some parts, would the NHS around the world be able to deal with the situation? We're heading into winter where there is minimal spare capacity even under normal circumstances. So could we say that sole reliance on governmental support is a precarious path for these firms to adopt? We need to be careful about what national healthcare systems, more specifically what NHS is capable of. Although most of these systems are built around taking care of the health needs of the whole population, unfortunately, the way they evolved, they do very minimal preventive care. Most of the time, they work on the assumption that you get sick and then they take care of you. And more so in the US, where the system is so private, there's really not much of public health dimension. Although, of course, I mean, there are some things they do. So in that sense, I mean, NHS actually did a great job compared to, let's say, Italy or Spain. And we don't really know what happened in China. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of data about it. But NHS did a great job of taking care of the first wave in a way, increasing their capacity right away and, you know, never run into issues, almost never run into issues with ICU beds. So in that regard, expecting NHS to take care of the way we deal with the pandemic in the society will be very naive. Yeah. Unfortunately, and, you know, as I said, they, they unfortunately don't do a whole lot of public health care. So in that sense, I think businesses have to be ready to the new reality where they need to operate under these constraints, under these new constraints. Yeah. And I think you mentioned some very interesting points there that NHS is mainly responsible for reactive care, that if you fall sick, if you have symptoms and you go to the NHS and, and they'll treat you. But when it comes to this virus and the number of asymptomatic patients we're seeing, I think it might be more effective to have more proactive steps from the businesses on their own side, right? Precisely. I mean, this is such a weird virus that, I mean, one of the reasons it spread so much that there are a lot of people that are asymptomatic and they're carriers, and sometimes they're super carriers where they infect dozens of people, if not hundreds. So if that happens, of course, in a business setting, that's very risky. And obviously, NHS does not have the capability at the moment to help businesses or society in general to do preventive care in that sense. Okay, that's really good. So if businesses were to act proactively to ensure the well-being of their workforce and minimize the risk of another force shutdown due to an outbreak in their facilities, what kind of measures, in your opinion, should they be adopting? 
I mean, that's a million dollar question, right? So um, unfortunately, I don't think there is the silver bullet. There's a single answer that will work in every business setting. I mean, we see some general, let's say, bigger trends, such as letting people work from home in, in a lot of businesses where that's feasible. Yeah. But I can speak for LBS and things that we are taking into consideration. So first of all, we can't have students. We decided not to uh, force students to attend classes from home. We actually would like to have our students in campus because that's the main way we do train our students, which requires, of course, our staff to come to school, both staff and the faculty. So when you start talking about the dynamics of this, how people get in and out of buildings, classrooms, offices, where they sit down, so they're very specific. So every business will have to produce their own solution to prevent the spread in their business place. And as you said, they have to be reactive because, as I said, I mean, NHS doesn't have the capability at the moment to do so. So in that regard, I mean, businesses have to be very careful about how to really plan for coming back, I mean, going back to business. And there are a lot of opinions out there, but it has to be actually very detailed to ensure the safety of people, if nothing, to make people feel safe so that they can effectively work at, at their workplace. Yeah, exactly. And what's your opinion around testing? So we've seen a lot of information coming out from the government about they're getting multiple tests from different countries and using them on care homes and other businesses as well. How important do you think testing will be going forward, be it reactive or proactive for companies? I mean, that's both reactively and proactively, not only for businesses, for the whole society. I think we're still at the point where we don't have enough supplies. I mean, I'm in Turkey right now and I'm flying back to the UK in a couple of weeks. And I was planning to take a test before I fly or after I fly just to make sure, you know, yeah. I'm not a carrier, I, I'm not affected. It turns out in the UK, it's quite difficult to get it. I mean, first, they require you to have symptoms to, to order it from NHS or you go private and probably it will cost you uh, more than 200 pounds. Yeah. So unfortunately, we, again, for various reasons, it's difficult to get tested, which is again, help the spread of the virus simply because there are so many carriers. And we know in summer, people travel a lot more. And for some businesses, I mean, they just travel for business. So in that regard, I believe testing is super critical to make sure they're not spreading. And if you detect it, you can immediately isolate those people to protect the others. Makes sense. So without doubt, as you said, all businesses want to minimize the risk and ensure their employees are given the best benefits. However, given what we've seen over the last few months in terms of their depleted cash flow statements, these firms can be pardoned for desperately wanting to balance the cost of these mitigating measures with the intended benefits. Reflecting upon your experience with analytics and artificial intelligence, what role do you think these technologies can play in deploying these effective mitigation strategies, but also potentially giving businesses a competitive advantage? I mean, obviously, we're facing something completely new. And unfortunately, we have very limited data, which is changing every day. However, as more data becomes available, we'll see actually how this disease is spreading, how we can prevent it, which people are actually under risk, and so on and so forth. And as you said, for that to happen, we need very effective testing policies. And obviously, we can't test everybody every day. So in that sense, I mean, there's a lot of work based on analytics that looks at the population dynamics or in a more confined environment, a business environment, where you can come up with smart ways to test instead of testing everybody every hour or every day. Uh, In terms of AI, I think as we get more and more data, 
that's also going to help us to understand how this disease or how this virus is evolving. One of the uh, problems we're seeing right now is although people have a lot of analytical models, there's not enough data to feed that in right now. And what happens is everybody's model gives a different answer. Some people say it's going to peak in six months. Some people say it's going to peak in a year. One month, two months, we're going to have a second wave in three months, in September, in January. So all the models give you a different answer. As this data becomes more available, I think at a population level, you'll have a much better idea. But in the meantime, as I said, I mean, for testing strategies, I think analytics will play a very important role based on new work and the work that's been done prior to the COVID situation. And could you potentially give us sort of an example from your past where you've seen analytics and AI be deployed in a situation like this and have some very good results? As I said, I mean, pandemics are so rare. I'm not sure if I can think about an example, but it's extensively applied in healthcare where, for example, in cancer treatment, where, first of all, I mean, every cancer is somewhat different and somewhat similar. So some drugs work for certain cancers, but we're not sure if they can work for other cancers as well, which has to go through medical trials. But we have all this data from medical trials for the specific cancer it was designed for. Nowadays, people are trying to use this data and analytics to figure out what other cancers can this drug help in. So for that, as I said, we need, if we have data, usually the analytics can guide us to get better answers based on that data. So data, as you say, is absolutely key in deciding what the strategy should be for each company. Absolutely. I mean, that's the missing part right now. I think a lot of people are very keen on using analytics and artificial intelligence First of all, I mean, that's not straightforward, but what I'm saying is, although we can come up with those modeling tools that can help us, we need to collect the right data to make better decisions. Perfect. Professor, these were some incredible insights, and this sadly brings us to the end of this episode. It was an absolute privilege to host you, Professor Tolga, and we at DocHQ can't thank you enough for your time, and more importantly, for your observations that you shared over the past 20 minutes. I'm sure that everyone who listens to this will be much more informed and hopefully can take the appropriate decision for their businesses, their companies. So thank you again, Professor, and I wish you all the best for your upcoming academic year at LBS as well. Thank you, Misha. It's going to be a challenging year for us here at LBS, figuring out all the measures we need. But thank you for giving me this time and letting me share my opinions. Thank you, Professor. Thank you.